This episode of Let's Think On It comes from an excerpt from O Brother Radio with Will Lockamy, Reed Lockamy, and Dr. Mark Westfall. This is going to be a fun one tonight because this is something that I've dealt with and I feel like probably my son deals with and many many people deal with yeah but i also think maybe there are a lot of misconceptions and maybe some misdiagnoses there are diagnoses yeah diagnoses perfect that's correct yeah Yeah. um so we're gonna be talking about adhd we are okay and so paying attention perfect day with uh you know school starting back this i thought it was kind of a back to school special yeah we'll kind of go Mm. into steer into that curve and talk about adhd a lot of parents you know concerned about the school systems and how they're going to help or not help their child navigate life and um, you know it's fascinating the questions um, that I get about ADHD and and how it uh, fits into today's society whether it's present has it always been around is it a new thing that kind of stuff so um, yeah because that's the thing is like when I was diagnosed and it was a big deal at the time as far as having to go and like talk to a psychiatrist for a long time and um, I did not want to be diagnosed. I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. Like, I did not. Yeah. It was a new thing And you are fine, actually. Oh, yeah. No, I was, too. It ended up being a game changer for me, I will say. In what way? Well, I went from, in high school, junior year, you know, I always tested well, whatever. Like, I was in the enrichment program, which now, I guess, they call the gifted program, RLC, Mm -hmm. early in the day. Um but I didn't do well in school. So that meant I was an ABC student, right? Yeah. Uh, which C's were, uh, my mom was none as a teacher. Not she, tolerated no, in the locking house. It wasn't C's because <laughs> I was doing bad on test. It was C's because I did not do my work. I did not turn in my homework. I did not do Classic. the reading I was supposed to yeah. do and all that. So <laughs> she felt like I just couldn't concentrate enough to get it done. And so we went and um, at the time I got Adderall, which was the eight hour you know, basically. So I would take it in the morning, go through school. It would wear off at the end of school, and I just immediately jumped to straight A's without effort at that point because yeah, no change in your effort other than being I just prescribed could, a medication. I just could read at that point because my big thing was I would read a book, and I still do this. I, I would read a book and read a whole chapter, and I would actually read it every single word and have no idea what yeah. I'd read because I can read. And I'm, I can also not, have a full other, other thought process right, at the exact right. same time. You weren't attending to what you were reading. Correct. And for memory to work, you have to actually be attending mm-hmm. to whatever it is you're trying to remember. And yeah. so, yeah, you had other things going on in your brain while you were reading, and so you weren't retaining what you were reading. Yeah, which is uh, pretty impressive that humans can do that. It is. The, exactly. You can sure. read the something brain. while thinking about something completely exactly. different. That's two different thought That's processes. Right. That's exactly. So... You know, as far as, um, you know, when ADHD first came about, I mean, it feels like it's a new thing in the last two or three decades because it's gotten more and more, I guess, uh, a better awareness of it. But you can go back to the first, um, in scientific terms, the first reference to it that we can see was in the early 1900s. It's been a long, I think it's been around as long as mankind's been around. Sure, right. But uh, scientifically speaking, in the early 1900s, um, you know, they were talking about this um, experience of, of, of children who were having a difficulty controlling their behaviors. And um, I'm coming up with the guy's name in a second. Um, still, S-T-I-L-L is his last name. Oh, uh, that's ma- sort of ironic. Yes, isn't it? <laughs> right. <No. laughs> 
Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, his co- cohort active was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, he was well played. So, but he said um, uh, he was the first one to conceptualize it that young children who were having troubles with behaviors had a problem with inhibiting impulses that were naturally occurring. In other words, Mm. it wasn't a willful behavior that was the problem. It was the lack of a biological inhibition of natural behaviors. In other words, children would behave this way if they couldn't inhibit their behaviors. And so that was, neurologically speaking, way ahead of its time because we really didn't come to that scientifically improving that until the last couple of decades. Um, so, he, you know, just his observations was, you know, the, these children aren't doing this on purpose. Yeah. They're having trouble inhibiting impulses. They're lacking that skill of impulse control. Exactly. Mm, so interesting. Th- this is the H in the ADHD we're talking about? Because, um, like, I've never considered myself the, ADHD. The Well, okay, so great question. The most observable aspect of ADHD is the H, the hyperactivity part. Right. But... The and it's a combination of impulsivity, attention, and hyperactivity, and so you don't have to have all three to have the diagnosis. Okay, we've now refined the diagnosis and and have found that you can have just inattention problems. That is one leg of it, but when it first was being discussed, it was the, it was the, it was the children who were having behavioral problems yeah. that were being selected, and they were being you know put into these classrooms or these you know homes if they couldn't be taken care of at home so perhaps adhd and add are the same thing we can kind of clear that up now so yes okay Okay. yes they're the same okay they are essentially we call it now adhd and there's three types primarily inattentive primarily hyperactive or combined type okay so there's one overall diagnosis with three subcategories. Well, let me just jump in and explain to you real quickly why they had a hard time uh, noticing the inattention uh, aspect <laughs> a, joke a long time ago. It's because that was before DVRs, right? We're all familiar with DVRs and how they work, yes? Yeah. Uh, for normal human beings, DVRs uh, shorten television shows, right? So I can take an hour-long television show. Shorten it down to 40 minutes. Shorten it down to 40 minutes. For my wife, who has ADD, an hour-long television show becomes an hour and 10-minute long television show once we had a DVR. Because now she was able to say, oh, wait a second, I just missed all that. Rewind it. So we w- <laughs> this is a true story. And she and I have had numerous marital problems uh, based on this that we would extend and have to re-watch the show, which you couldn't do 40 years ago. No, now you can't. No. See, and that's a difference no. in what I have and what she has because no. I would never do that. No. I just will blow past it and try to figure it out at some point. But Ada is shaking her head like, oh, yes, in agreement. Do you, you do oh, the same yeah. thing? Oh, yeah. Well... I haven't been diagnosed with ADD. I don't. I don't think I have it. But I found that with like multiple technologies being present, is that it'll happen so many times where I'll be with my family or I'll be with my friends, and someone will be trying to multitask and then look up and realize they've missed something mm-hmm. really important, and then go back and then want to rewind a couple minutes. Well, you've hit into a whole nother topic that we actually don't have science behind yet. But what oh. is the effect of all of this technology that we have mm-hmm. uh, and the attention span 
uh, that or lack thereof that it's creating. Right. Well, and we also had that interesting discussion. Um, I remember not long after the advent of MTV, and they talked about, well, the way that music videos are cut, where no shot lasts longer than three seconds, and you're constantly changing your you know thing you're focusing on. I talked to my students quite a bit about like, hey, why don't we work on reading books or listening to podcasts because those are two activities that kind of force you to have a deeper amount of focus mm-hmm. and it's something you have to practice if you're yes, not used to is. doing that you gotta get better at it that's right yeah that's very true so yeah that's an interesting See, question it's interesting mine's the opposite of your wife's going back to that because i'll pause something and be like oh i gotta go fold the clothes that are in the thing and then i'll come back and be like oh wait but there's something else i have uh, to do and it's just, i can't ever just sit down and focus. And so the DVR allows you to, it allows me infuse to. all these other activities. Yeah, and all in the, the other things that are going in my head, mm-hmm. I like am able to give way to those. Yeah. Are you, uh, and if only if you feel comfortable saying, are you diagnosed ADD? I'm not. Uh, it's interesting. My oldest brother is, and his wife is, and their oldest daughter has extreme ADHD, and she's was so smart. I mean, she is so smart, and we saw it so much when she was little. She uh, she's in third grade now. She knew every single animal in the world and now she's in school and she was diagnosed and it's this whole other thing of like anxiety ridden ADHD mm-hmm. um, but it's like how you're talking about she's not inhibited so she would stand up next to her desk and start dancing when the other kids are yeah. sitting because mm-hmm. she just couldn't yeah. when you're not supposed it. to be you know when you fill out the little and I know this as a teacher because when someone has a concern like oh maybe this student has ADHD you get this really long survey to fill out right. and there are all these interesting indicators you have to mark the student on and one of them is this student seems to be driven as if by a, a motor. motor right yeah. and that's what you see a lot yeah. um, my wife has none of that but her attention span is you know Gosh. and it really she struggles with that yeah um, I have none of that yeah. as well that does not define the driven by motor driven thing. by a motor yeah. thing. That's yeah. the hyperactive component. Right. right. Um, let's take a quick break. So I, you know, back to the history just a little bit. I get a lot of a lot of questions about people of, are we over medicating? Are we over diagnosing? I hear that a lot, and it's hard to say exactly um, where we are on that spectrum. The number of children diagnosed um, has almost doubled in the last decade or so. Hmm. So from 5% to almost between 8 and 10%. Um, so according to that, yes, we're diagnosing more. But that doesn't mean it's more prevalent. It may just mean we're more aware. Right. Um, kind of like what happened with autism, right? Exactly. Right. Same thing. Yeah. And the other thing is I think we're re- realizing, like autism, that brains and any brain behavior or symptom exists on a spectrum. Right. Okay, so... When we talk about the diagnosis of ADHD and we talk about the symptoms of ADHD, it's not one size fits all. It's not like, uh, well, it's not one size fits all. I mean, there is a gradient and you can have very mild symptoms and still have the condition and respond to the treatment. And then you can have very severe symptoms. And in the course of, of, of studying ADHD, the more severe, the more severely affected, uh, children were recognized first. Um, and we talked about that in 1902 with George, I found his name, George Still, S-T-I-L-L. And then in the 30s, um, a, a new drug uh, was uh, developed called Benzedrine. Hmm. And it was developed for um, essentially um, uh, sinus reasons, so for um, uh, decongestant. Um, and there was um, a, a pediatrician, Charles Bradley, in 37, 1937, 
um, who was taking care of children in an institute where children with bad behaviors were kind of managed by very um, well-meaning staff. And uh, he noticed a side effect to the Benzedrine. And the side effect was that the children were no longer misbehaving. They were good children all the time. They were suddenly good children. And his quote is this. It's kind of interesting. It says, To see a single daily dose of Benzedrine produce a greater improvement in school performance than the combined efforts of a capable staff working in a most favorable setting would have been all but demoralizing to the teachers had not the improvement been so gratifying from a practical standpoint. <laughs> this reminds me of one of my favorite Simpsons episodes when they put Bart on Focusin uh, to fix, and not only does it help with his hyperactivity, but also cuts down on sass mouth. Nice. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. So, yeah. That's exact been the dream. So they so, were giving him decongestant, and all of a sudden they realized, they hey, wait a second. Effect. Wait a minute. They're yeah. affected positively. So they yeah. started giving it to him for other reasons. And yeah. so, um, but even then, he his observations didn't really catch on. Um, and and wasn't really um, we didn't come up with a diagnosis for years down the road. Yeah. Um, and benzedrine, it so happens, is amphetamine, um, which is Adderall. And so once again, this is interesting because this seems counterintuitive. If someone is hyperactive, it seems like the last thing you want to do is give them meth. Exactly. But right. and it's not methamphetamine. Right. There are lots of different types of amphetamine. Oh, okay, when I hear amphetamine, I that's all I think. But I've I never skipped the generic, and it just full-on says just amphetamine salts. I mean, that's so that's right. So am, the amphetamine is essentially what they were coming up with in the 1930s was a medication that mimicked the adrenaline of our body. Right. Okay? The adrenaline is released by the uh, sympathetic nervous system, so they came up with what they call a, a, a sympathomimetic so it's a drug that mimics the adrenaline nervous system. Yeah. And they came up with amphetamines in the 1930s. So, and then obviously there were problems with amphetamines uh, because when you take them in too high a dose, you get overstimulated and you can become uh, very bizarrely in your, in your behavior and even psychotic if you take too much. Yeah. So it does seem counterintuitive that you would give something that if you take too much of creates this hyperactive kind of you know crazed individual yeah whoa wait a minute why are we giving that to children who are kind of hyperkinetic and a little crazed but if you give them the right amount so what we've yeah so what we found yeah was small doses huh seem to help if you over medicate a child with adhd they will also be overactive you know hyped up on stimulant okay if you give them too much yeah. of it so there's a there's a range and the reason it works that we later found out is that there is an underactivity in a part of the brain. Remember going back to George Still. Right. The underactivity is in the inhibitory part of our brain, our frontal lobe. Our frontal lobe inhibits behaviors and impulses of our brain. And children with ADHD were lacking that activity in the frontal part of the brain. We see it now in um, neuroimaging. We can see that when children are doing tasks that require their frontal lobe, children with ADHD, their frontal lobe is less active on the scan than children without ADHD. Same thing with adults. Adults with ADHD, which they have, their frontal lobe is less active than adults without ADHD, which means that their frontal lobe inhibits behavior less. 
Let me ask you this. Uh, Mike Pesca recently on his podcast did a segment about smart drugs is what uh, some people refer to these as. Um, and basically what that means is people taking drugs that are not intended for them, but taking them to get some kind of positive benefit anyway. So like, let's say that I'm a person who does not have ADD or ADHD. Okay. If I were to take a small amount, uh, the you know appropriate amount for someone who does have ADHD, what kind of effect would that have on my brain if I don't have a deficiency? It would probably stimulate your brain a notch. Yeah. You would gain a little bit more attention. Right. Probably score a little bit better on tests because you can stay a little bit a little bit more focused. Right. But the degree of improvement for you, the relative improvement mm-hmm. compared to a relative improvement for someone like Will experienced, Will's going to have a much more dramatic improvement. Gotcha. Um, I'd say this: the people that when I first heard of people, not heard of it, but actually experienced. People taking the exact thing that I was taking, as they were taking it as a party drug, it made no sense to me. It's like, what? What? Why would you do this? That? Makes me like level out and feel yeah. real normal. Like, what yeah. are you talking? Why would you do yeah. this as a party drug? Right. And and same deal. Like when I used to be an active skydiver, I always explained and never thought of it in this in relation to this. But now I guess it makes more sense. Of as soon as I got out of the airplane, I felt really good and calm, and that was my. You know, it's just a good. It wasn't like this. Whoa. Which is, what happens when you <laughs> jump out of a plane? Really? Adrenaline. Adrenaline. There yeah. you go. Okay. Yeah. So you were giving yourself a stimulant. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. A very expensive stimulant. Very expensive. <laughs> it is. The other day, oh my gosh, I was. I had convinced myself. I was like, you know what? I'm getting back into it. Mm. I'm gonna start jumping again. And went online, like about like thinking about ordering equipment. And I was like, oh wait, never mind. Wait a minute. <laughs> never a, mind. Radio, radio doesn't pay that well. <laughs> Not that well. No. <laughs> That's a a Tacoma. But that is a fascinating thing that you've pointed out in uh, discussions we've had with you over the years, is that sometimes thrill seekers are maybe people who are just a little ADHD and are looking for self-medication. Most definitely. Yeah, yeah, pilots. Frequently. And and any high-risk job, um, people with ADHD tend to be drawn to that because they can perform. So police, police officers, right? Firemen. I mean, people who in the adrenaline moment are focused in and they really enjoy that part they often struggle with the paperwork part you know there's paperwork part to almost every any job and that's when they struggle and so i swear i went into radio and not to be a policeman because i was very close because of i was talked out of it because of the paperwork but you know radio is 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 also a good gig for someone with adhd because when you're on air you got a little adrenaline you know it's it's a performance and before performance you get kind of revved up now you it may seem like you don't get, you know, it's kind of comes natural to you now, but there's still a level of focus in when it's time. Um, you have to, to be on. You have to be on. That's yeah. right. Hmm. Interesting. So, yeah, you're utilizing that that adrenaline. So, which is why a lot of people with ADHD, you know, um, procrastinate uh, because it's hard for them to do the work when it's not really due. Yeah. And when it's due, the adrenaline kicks in and finally they can focus. It's like, why would I spend you know, three days doing something mm. that I can get done in half a night. Yeah, uh, it just the logistics just don't pan out. This is my my biggest thing. Let's take a, take a quick break okay. and come back. I want right. to discuss that right there. Um, I also want to talk about before the show is over tonight. Um, when should we be talking to our kids about this and thinking about medicating? Great question. That, that's something that I, I know that I'm going to be dealing with yeah. at some point. Yeah. And right now, I have strong feelings on it. Right. So okay. I want to get your opinion. All right. So I think we were talking about procrastination, right, when we left. And right. How, they, how many people with ADHD tend to utilize um, the pressure of yes. the deadline to actually get their adrenaline moving so they can focus and therefore get the job done. So outside of 
having trouble reading because I can think about something else while I'm reading, this is the biggest, you know, uh, defining factor for of you. my ADHD. Yeah, is unless I have a deadline, I have major trouble. Mm-hmm. So if I have to write an article, uh, if it's due at 4 a.m. or 5 a.m., I will write that article just fine from midnight until 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. But boy, if you try to get me to do it at noon the day before, it doesn't uh-uh. happen. And, and, and I mean, like my it brain flow. Like I sit down and yeah. try to do it. Right. So now I write an article for Birmingham Magazine every month, and it's something that you know it's a little bit tough because. I have to send it in. It has to be topical and timely, yet it didn't come out for like a month and a half after I send it in, right? So that's tough. But with that said, I have a full month to come up with these eight different topics, and it is tough for me to do until the three hours before the deadline. Yeah. And I mean, again, I will sit down and try to think of it, and my brain just will not get to it. So when my deadline was the other day, it's last week, maybe last Friday or something, yeah. um, last Thursday, I was able to that day do all this kind of work around the studio. I hung the TV over there. <laughs> I did. I'm not kidding. All unrelated to unrelated, the but I all of a sudden had the most productive day of the entire month because I had this deadline on that article, and so I was like, "Well, my, I mean, just my brain worked. I did. I cut the grass. I did so much that day. It was insane, and got the article in." With about two minutes to spare. That's not a joke. It's not a joke. With about two and, minutes to spare. You know. That is how you've navigated life. So you figured it out, and and you and it drives it out. everyone around me completely insane. It it probably does, but yeah. but you have found a way to navigate through life. And I talk to students a lot about making sure they find a good fit for their brain, regardless of whether they have ADHD or not. But just know your brain and find jobs and relationships that fit your brain. Uh, it's hard to change your brain. So know your brain and structure your life around it. Boy, and let me tell you, from a teacher perspective, this is um, this is such an interesting thing to think about because when I interact with a hundred different students each and every year, inevitably there's a large chunk of them who you know struggle with these sorts of issues, and it produces major problems for them in an academic setting. It does. And they do. They put. They procrastinate. They wait till the last minute. They they turn out work that is not nearly as good as it could have been had they been you know spacing out their work. And it's it's very difficult as a teacher not to say like, whoa, dude, like you're a bad student. <laughs> You know, and and but I, I recognize. But the reality is, you know. is they are a bad student of right. our current system. Yeah, right, mm-hmm. right. And you know, you could argue, well, are we doing them a disservice by not changing the system? Right. Instead of requiring everyone to walk through the same door, yep. um, so to speak, for their education, um, we should have much more um, hands-on type of learning. Mm-hmm. For, for many of our students because children with ADHD and adults tend to learn much better with hands-on type of, of education. And, right. and our education system, the way it currently exists, that is not typically how it's done. Um, right. And so it's hard for them. Yeah, it's interesting. But, you know, at the same time, like when you when you teach an advanced literature class and the name of the game is reading books and writing papers, yeah, I, mean, uh, they, I don't know. Well, it's yeah, interesting. so yeah. I would suggest to that child, yeah. do not be an English major in right, college. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you shouldn't be in the advanced. Yeah. But, yeah, but I mean, I'll tell you, that's, so that's that, the that, thing. That, that doesn't mean they shouldn't yeah. challenge themselves. Sure. But, 
you know, they probably don't need to be writing papers the rest of their life or they're going to be frustrated. But, you know, the, the weird thing about that for me as a teacher is that some of these kids I'm thinking about right now are also, you know, some of the brightest kids and best interpreters of literature. They just aren't so good on following through and, like, turning that into an essay, but that's the thing that academia is about when it comes to literary analysis is so producing essays. Where can they, yeah. where could they take that, yeah. that ability? This is a true question. Where right. could they take that ability um, in the work world? That ability to interpret mm -hmm. literature and to kind of, you know, have that advanced understanding of the, 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 maybe the non, um, uh, obvious yeah. meanings of well you know it's funny because i think where written. they i think where they take that forward in life is probably not as much maybe in the work world but maybe in the personal like i mean th i think that's what's great about the humanities and about studying literature and all that it's not necessarily you're going to apply it to your work life um but it's you're going to apply it to your life life like yeah. to being a better person yeah. and you don't necessarily have to write essays to do that well, right. I will yeah. say I was an English major and I really struggled with that. Yeah. Uh, I would, was always amazed at how my classmates could read all the books we had to in a week and I just could not do it. I was able to BS my way through all of that that I had to. And I always said it taught you how to uh, read between the lines in situations yeah. and uh, be a good storyteller in life and social situations. So you can push that. Yeah, so the, yeah, you have that talent. I do think that this what I've often thought is Reed doesn't under, understand my brain, right. which I, I would imagine would be very hard to do because a lot of times I think it comes across as lazy or not yeah. caring. That is one of the most yeah. common words that I hear from uh, a, adults dealing with a child with ADHD is they're lazy. and Or don't care yet. Too. And one of the things I work on with uh, in, in you know my practice when I'm talking to parents and, and or any adult is we have a job to try to help preserve this child's uh, self-esteem right and uh, their brains working differently and I can get I can walk through you throw, walk through with you all the biology behind it and help teach you that yeah this is a very real thing but in the end you as a parent have to figure out how to help your child thrive and understanding how their brain works is part of that um, so one way to do that is helping them is not using labels, negative labels. Um, there are many, many aspects of ADHD that are positive. Um, sure. It's not just a negative. It's not just an illness. Um, it is, you know, it's been around. I think since mankind's been around for a reason. I think it has a self-preserving aspect to it. Um, so, you know, scenarios. I talk to kids a lot about. Um, in working with building up their self-esteem and I'll, I'll I feel like I've said this on air before but um, I'll say you know what if I was on a wagon train from here to Oregon I would want you in the front seat with me and they're like Aww. why I said because you would notice anything that was going on in our periphery in our surroundings and you would save our tails, right? Okay. Most Something pilots are ADHD. Over here. Like, like, you know, if someone, a non-ADHD, I'm going to mess yeah. with Reed a little bit, you know, over there reading the book, so focused, and there's rustling over here from a, a, a cougar, and they don't notice it, mm -hmm. you know, but the ADHD kid's like, what's that? What's over there? Yeah. You know, they're going to pick up on extraneous stimuli. That's what they do. I want you on the Oregon Trail for that reason and because you don't seem to have dysentery at all. <laughs> That's right. 
Well, you you two will be proud to know that in recent years, I have had discussions with uh, the parents of students uh, who you know fit this profile, um, and I have found myself telling them like, "Hey, look, I understand this is a frustrating thing, and we're all frustrated. It'd be nice to see this student, you know, sort of apply himself a little more thoroughly and get this work done." But at the same time. He's not a bad kid. He's a super talented kid. He's a great yeah. kid, yeah. but this is just not the thing that's, you know, that he's able to do at this point yeah. right now. Um, so I do try to balance that. I think Will's right. It's hard for me to kind of understand that different perspective, but I have tried in recent years, especially to have more appreciation for what that student is as a well rounded human being, despite yeah. his failings in my class. Yeah. Well, the two so. of you are clearly very intelligent. And the with your ability read to really mm -hmm. stay ultra focused on right. what you're doing um, and Will's op opposing uh, ability to just kind of be all over the place. Do all the things. It's fascinating to yeah. see the differences and I can yeah. imagine that it, you know, that it's been um, uh, a, a different parenting a approach from your parents for each of you. Yeah. 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 It, it's crazy. Somebody this week, I can't remember who was, said, uh, you and Reed fought a lot growing up. It's like, you know, I don't think we fought at all. I, yeah. like, I don't think not. And that our parents say that a lot too. Like, no, they never fought. Yeah. And in fairness, I think as as a child, I focused a lot on parenting myself. So that freed my parents up to parent Will much more. He was, so that was born good. 40 years right. old. There's no question. That's, <laughs> no. My parents will tell you all about mm -hmm. that. So one of the other things you were mentioning, uh, Reed, when you're talking to parents about, you know, yeah. maybe their child's just not able to do this right now. The other thing to keep into mind, so we talked about the diminished frontal lobe activity mm -hmm. in children with ADHD. Um, and that activity um, can be lifelong. That decreased activity can be lifelong. Yeah. It does improve with time, with development. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing that's going on in children is that their brain is developing right. for the first 20 years. And the last part of the brain, we, I mean, of the whole brain, of the entire brain, the last part to finally develop is the frontal lobe the same part that gives kids problem with ADHD. Yeah. So it's kind of a double whammy for children with ADHD. They've got an underdeveloped frontal lobe because they're a child. And on top of that, that underdeveloped frontal lobe is also less active. So you can reassure parents that it is going to get better as they develop, as they continue to grow by the time they're 20, it is going to get better. And the key is, in the meantime, not to crush the spirit of this exactly. young person by saying, hey, you're just awful. Right. Right. See, I want to talk about this when we come back because my son, um, poor son of a gun, he, he looks a lot like me. He's way, way cuter than I am, but he looks a lot like me, and his brain is exactly like mine. And so it's this weird thing. Of, yeah. he, he can't get stuff done, and I, I try to tell him that I understand, but I still need him to do it. He's seven now. Okay. Um, so I want to talk about that when we come back because – what medication did for me and what point in life I started taking it and he's so young and uh, all this stuff. Okay, so, great question. Uh, when we come back. So here's I want to talk about this time, symptoms and how do you know because I'm, I'm, I know that my son, right. my son's brain is exactly how like how mine. Who doesn't have it know. Yeah, <laughs> right. I mean, and then you also mentioned how early to start treating, how do you know when to start treating, that right. whole thing. So here's my deal. He's fine, and he's brilliant. He's smarter than I am. His math skills are through the roof. Like It's, it's fun to watch him, but it's also really frustrating, except I think I'm less frustrated with him than most of the other folks around him because I understand like what his brain's doing when I tell him to go do something, 
and he can't do it. Yeah. He goes to his room and he does everything else in the room but that one thing. Like, yeah, I get it. And so I try to tell him, like, hey, I understand, I understand, but he's still got to do this one thing without killing him. And <laughs> here's the thing. So I know that medication, I fought it, I fought it, I didn't want to take it. Once I did take it, how much it helped me. I was a junior in high school. Um, I don't want him taking medicine until maybe he like really has to because it's a can you get into college thing or not type of deal maybe but even then i'd rather just avoid it um and a lot of that comes from discussions that we've had with you here on the show about how your brain develops until the age of 21 ish around there right so that's why i look i don't care if you want to smoke pot I don't personally like pot. It doesn't uh, treat my brain the way I like my brain to be treated. But if somebody else wants to, that's fine. Except I am going to talk to my children differently about that because, like, hey, hold off on that as long as you can because your brain's developing. And right, yeah, you don't want to interject interject, um, substances that may affect your development of the brain. So, are amphetamine salts a similar thing? Great question. Um, We, we, the scientific community, we have been using stimulants since the 1960s to treat ADHD. Again, they were developed in the 30s, but we started using them routinely in the 60s. More research has gone into ADHD than about any childhood illness ever. And we just do not see any negative development issues from appropriate doses of stimulants for children with ADHD. They'd have been on them for their entire childhood, mm-hmm. even throughout their adulthood. What about addiction with it? Because I'll tell you this. Great I don't question. feel like I have like this physical addiction, like, oh, I need to take that. Except I do have like a life addiction to it. Like, a, hey, this my life flows really well this way. Well, it's kind of like. I need to have that schedule, and it makes me just kind of work. It's kind of like having, you know, a low thyroid, okay? Um, if you have a thyroid taken out, you're going to need to take thyroid hormone to replace what it used to do. We don't and, consider that an addiction. Right. You it's need just it. like it's oh, replacing that's... something that you're missing. Okay. So you're not addicted to it, but your symptoms come back when you stop it. So because it helps, you go back to it. But you don't elevate the dose. You don't misuse it. Um, it doesn't give you a euphoria or false feeling of high. So you're not addicted to it from a chemical sense. It's not now, substance okay. abuse. It's not substance abuse. To right. take it every day for its intended use. Right. Unless you overtake it. Now it can then, be overtaken. Yes. People can can overuse it sure. and misuse it and yeah. and There's become really high on it. S- scary side effects too. Interestingly, well the interesting thing about amphetamines is that from a chemical withdrawal standpoint, very low withdrawals from amphetamines relative to um, something like alcohol. Alcohol can be deadly in withdrawals if not treated. Amphetamines are not at all. Now that doesn't mean you don't feel like crud after stopping it if you've been misusing it, but um, it's not that addictive to the receptor itself. The receptor doesn't doesn't change its morphology, doesn't upregulate or change the number of receptors when it's exposed to it, which is what we see with yeah. other addictive behaviors. So it is a abused drug, um, but it doesn't create addiction to itself. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. Um, now, the other thing is the the other thing we see is that children with ADHD, because they're more impulsive, 
Let me ask you, do you think they'd be more likely or less likely to use a substance? I would say more likely. More likely. Right. Hmm. Children of ADHD are interested. That's that's one person. I'm saying I haven't tried substances. I'm not. I've never been interested in like using substances regularly. Understood. But generally speaking, if you look at 10,000 people with ADHD and 10,000 children without ADHD, the ones with ADHD have a higher um, usage than the ones without ADHD. And it kind of makes sense when you think about it if they're more impulsive. Okay. They might be, you know, not think through the consequences as much, be more likely to try it. And if people are down on you all the time and telling you there's something wrong well, with yeah, you. Yeah, there's also, if your self-esteem's right. sure. dropping. Yeah. Treated ADHD decreases the usage of or the, the abuse of substances in the ADHD population. I'm not saying it cures it. I'm just saying that if you treat the ADHD, it, it starts to bring them closer to the non-ADHD population as far as their usage. Children still, I mean, teenagers still use drugs. I'm, sure, I'm not right. saying that you're going to cure it by stimulus. That's not at all what right. I'm saying. I'm just saying it helps to improve the ADHD, which can help diminish the risk. Yeah, and I will say, too, there's a part of me that uh, I love my little man, and his personality is fun. And exactly. You don't want to diminish that. And I don't want to mess with that. Well, so that brings up, there are side effects to the stimulants um, with regards to mood. Um, in, and I think it's probably the least discussed side effect in the medical profession. I see it a lot, um, and I see a lot of children with uh, when it wears off at the end of the day. I talk, we talked about withdrawal. It does leave the person feeling, it can leave the person feeling a little depressed for an hour or two as it wears off. And it, that's not long-lasting, and the next day they're back to themselves. But that is something I see a lot of, and so something you want to consider as a parent, what you're you know, exposing your child to each day, how they feel. So it's a balance of how much is it helping versus how much is it causing problems. You don't know that till you start trying it. When to try it, that's always a difficult dilemma for parents, and it's very individualized. depends on the severity of the ADHD symptoms. It depends on how, it, how the child's um, uh, coping with those symptoms, how the family unit's coping. It depends on a lot of issues. Um, and so it's, it shouldn't be made lightly. It should be a decision that's uh, thought through. But I wouldn't avoid thinking about treating uh, just because of the age. Because we, he needs to clean his room. <laughs> <laughs> we, we begin treatment as early as age six, uh, just kind of to inform you. But, you know, that's only if it's really affecting. If it's not affecting his grades, it's not really affecting his self-esteem, he's got good relationships with, relationships with his friends, I say don't treat. Put it off. But if it starts to affect their self-esteem, starts to affect friends' relationship with friends, which it will. It's, I mean, not will. It can. I mean, children are very observant. And if someone's kind of getting on their nerves, they're going to kind of – Marginalize them. Yeah. And if that's happening, that's that's almost worse than if they're having trouble with their grades at that age for them. And you I've know, definitely seen that with some of my students who, you know, I can identify as, you know, ADHD because of their schoolwork, is you all definitely see some behaviors that are, you know, borderline obnoxious. Yeah. And it can be tricky. It's yeah. difficult. I didn't yeah. have that. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's be clear. Yeah. Is but that it's a joke a t- or? Yeah. Just it's a tough thing, though. Yeah. Uh, with the couple of minutes that we have left, is there kind of a bullet point list of things that parents could be looking for? Diagnostic-wise? Yeah. Yeah. So we put it in two categories. One is attention. The other is hyperactive and impulsivity. We put those two things together. 
So essentially, we go through a list, you know, in the office of things. But and it, and it depends on the age, okay? Because you know, if you're talking to an adult, a lot of these symptoms don't really apply because these are really um, made for young children in the school setting. Um, so it, it depends on the age and whatnot. But generally, we look at you know, there's nine symptoms of attention, and there's I think uh, nine also symptoms of hyperactivity and impulsivity that we that we look for. But if your child's having trouble, you know, paying attention in class. Um, Sustaining attention during even play or tasks that you ask them to do um, seems to not listen when you're talking to them, you know, and it's frustrating. It's like, you're not listening to me. You're ignoring me. They're just, they really are, like you said, you're reading. Look at my face. You're reading, but you're thinking of something completely different in the background, Mm -hmm. you know, and so, you know, um, I mean, I've got a little of this myself. My wife, she knows, she'll know if there's no eye contact. It, I can give a head nod. If there's no eye contact, mm. it probably didn't go in. And she knows. She said, well, well, look at me. Okay, got it. You know, and then then, then I, she knows she was, you know, whatever she said, walking out the door was hurt. But otherwise, yeah. eh, it's gone. So um, having trouble following through on instructions, difficulty organizing things, losing things necessary for, for task or activities, easily distracted by extraneous stimuli, forgetfulness, and then avoids or dislikes engaging in activities that require sustained attention. Like finishing what you start, that kind of thing as well. Mm -hmm. So that was the attention part, the hyperactivity, impulsivity. And again, this is typically more for young children. Fidgety, squirmy in their seat, up out of their chair, uh, running about uh, at inappropriate times, uh, difficulty relaxing or playing or engaging in leisurely activities. They're always doing something active on the go or acts as if driven by a motor, yeah. which Reed already said, talking excessively, blurting out answers before the questions have been completed, difficulty waiting their turn in line, interrupts or intrudes others in conversation. Yes. So that's yeah. the impulsive kind of, I can't uh, set it before thinking kind of thing. Yep. So. I almost interrupted you there just as a joke, <laughs> but decided not to. This list is going on way too long. <laughs> uh, you expect me to remember all that? This is great stuff, and this was a fun conversation as well. Um, I think people could learn a lot from this. So if you think you have somebody that maybe could benefit from hearing this, tell them to go find the podcast. Let's think on it again, usually a couple of days afterwards, usually yeah, by the beginning of next week. Um, is when this podcast we posted, but there are lots of great ones. The other day we were talking to some family to get together and I was like, Oh, you got to go hear this. Let's think on it about that. I rarely go back in here because I don't like my voice, but we've covered so many great we've topics. Done, yeah, we'll be doing this now. Yeah. Whew, long yeah. time. Gosh. A few years. Yeah. A few years at yeah. least. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, that's Dr. Mark Westfall. That is Caitlin. That's Ada. I'm Will Lockamy. He is Reed Lockamy. To listen to Dr. Mark Westfall live, check out O Brother Radio on Birmingham Mountain Radio. 107.3 FM in Birmingham, 97.5 in Tuscaloosa, at bhammountainradio.com, or on the free BMR app. Join in with your questions and comments on Twitter, at Lockamy Brothers. <laughs>